Hello and welcome back to Chat by the Pitch. This is Ian Babcock, your host. This week, I have part two with Coach Anthony, Coach Ferrero, and Coach Hugo. They shared their, their experiences with the academy side starting a, a, a football club and merging with Solar Soccer Club and why they did it and why it's important, the moves they made, how they're running their section of Solar in Colleyville. I think if you guys will sit down and listen to this next episode and excuse the uh, eruptly ending of the last episode, but join to this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's start this chat and head to the pitch. And in the U.S. is very franchise-based. So I was like, so last year, this time last year, I remember the summer was really, really just difficult because I, we had maximized everything we could as Lincoln. And it was like, one, I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted the higher-level players. And on top of that, I also wanted, um, I always thought, why, why did they, why did, why did, like, you know, it could be any coach, a solar coach, an FC Dallas coach, Texel, whatever. So why do they have access to the better players when I know our training is better than them? So, mm-hmm. and I know our culture and I know our education is better than them, yet they still have access to the higher level players. Why? So then mm-hmm. I looked at the why and the why was they had ECNL, they had all these things. So I said, you know what, like we've got to, We've got to get in there because I was tired of going to trainings with kids who didn't have the level to execute things that I wanted. So basically, I spoke to the guys and said, hey, let's go to ECNL. And um, we basically solar kind of given me just the RLNTX platform that I can manage myself. So I have autonomy over a platform for RLNTX boys and the free ECNLs of boys. So. I basically said, let me have all this in Colleyville. That way I could put all these teams in there, which is, which was like the eight teams from U19 all the way to U11. They just give me all the autonomy over a whole platform, what I wanted to do. And, and I knew for our coaches, like, you know, giving Fiero R-O-N-T-X and, and he's seen how much better players he's been able to get in. Uh, Hugo has got the 12s and, and the priest, you know, so much better players we can get in. And it's not just one of the biggest things. It's not just solar. It's also like we, we still have to grind. So we still have the same workmanship, but it helps when you have the platform. And now I don't have to, which I never did, but I don't have to lie to people and say, hey, um, if you come with me, I can give you this and this and this. Whereas now I can truly give a player every single platform. So if they get too good for, for who goes 12, the first thing I'm going to be saying to them is, okay, are you ready for the ECNL Academy? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? And I can then talk, and now within the network of Solar, hey, I've got a guy that's way too good for Hugo's team, for Fierro's team, for my team. We need to move him to the next level. Now we can move him because we're all in the same club. So that was why we did it. And then basically how Lincoln Football Academy worked in all that was Lincoln Football Academy basically became a, uh, a third-party company that we basically just do training through Lincoln Football Academy still. And the reason why we keep Lincoln Football Academy is because that was our identity as a club. So I didn't want to give that up. So when I spoke to Adrian um, and, and made all this happen, Adrian Solka runs Solar. I basically told him, I was like, I want to keep Lincoln Football Academy because that's also the identity that our coaches represent with. So, and he was like, honestly, you can have that. So given the autonomy of that, along with having Lincoln Football Academy, for me, that that hit, that hit checked all the boxes for myself to say, you know what, this is I want to move forward. And then we moved forward, and I know we had pushback from Hugo, gave a lot of pushback on, on why we should go to Solar, because Lincoln is this, and this. So, which I appreciated, because that was part of, that was part of my success, was the coaches were so passionate about what Lincoln represented. So, that was a great success for me, but I, I, I'm, but I also knew that when Hugo got access to the higher levels and, and ECNL and all this, in the long term, he would also see why it's beneficial. But we also didn't give up Lincoln Football Academy and we still keep it. And that's why now we kind of, I would say we have the best of both worlds, but 
what well, was a really important point that Fiera made was it's easy to get there, but it's hard to maintain. And that's where we're at right now is that we've gotten there. We've got now the status. The hard part is the maintenance. And that's where we have to work every single day at it to, to be at the top level day in, day out, day in, day out. And that's how you survive in this for, for decades is you're consistent with your approach. And Arsene Wenger's quote, I remember it's, it's my favorite quote he actually ever said. He's my favorite, one of my favorite coaches because I'm an Arsenal fan. He said, it is not the intensity of the motivation it is the stamina of the intensity of the motivation. So it's not about how hard you do something. It's about how long you can keep on doing that. And that's how you make it. And, you know, fear of seeing professional football. I was an example. I was not as good as some other youth players in Dallas. But I stuck on as long I stuck on for basically from 18 to 25, 26, for eight years. I, I was consistent in the same level of my stamina of motivation. Whereas a lot of players at 21, if they don't make it, then they start getting mad and then they just give up. And I just kept on going and going and going and going. And that's a lot of people see my career and think, oh, well, you know, you played against all the best players in the world. Well, I didn't see when I went to seventh division and sixth division and fifth division being in reserve teams and then going to first teams and then going to reserve teams and then going to first team. Like, that's the grind. That, that, that's yeah. where most people make it. It is not in, at the end, when you're playing, the, you know, the, the beautiful games against 60,000 people in the stadium, that, that's easy to play in those games. But it's not easy when there's 400 people in a cold, rainy day in England on a Tuesday night and you got to perform. Like, that, that's where a player is made. And that's kind of what we can, we're trying to educate these kids. It's not about don't get caught in just the glamour, but get caught in the process and the journey of how to get there. So I think that's kind of where my story is. And now it's like, for all of us, my, my, I, I never expected to be a director. I wanted to be a coach when I quit. And I kind of just fell into this role. And now my, my vision is to go and get all the best young coaches. And actually what I want to do more than anything is I want to have a coaching staff that's full-time coaches. That's not um, that's not coaches that do this as a side job. This is their whole life because that's where I see the most beneficial benefit for the kids is when their whole life is this. And if, you know, in the U.S. system of paying or whatever, I would rather people pay for something that they know they're getting a full-time coach rather than paying for something where they get a coach, which is their side job, where they still have so many other, other um, things in their life to where the, you're paying so much for a coach that really can't put his full focus into you. Like, for me, that's a problem. And that's what I'm trying to fix. And right now we have a lot of our coaches who are pretty much full-time. And that's where I want to – any coaches that come over with us is how can we continue to push that to where they can become full-time. That's – I mean, that, that yeah, that's that's a huge – here in the United States, that's a huge hurdle to get over. I, I know that most of the conversations I have, unless you're at the higher up levels, a director or something with a club, it's very hard to have it to be your full time, <laughs> full time job. You ha it is a you have a second time job, a second job or a first time full time job, and you have one or two teams that you coach, and it's nearly right impossible for most clubs unless you're at the higher levels. Within the club, that, FC Dallas is one of the few, but they're the MLS team. And that's one of the benefits of like of Go what are our kind of um, with Solar and Lincoln is that we can, the way I've tried to create this is that coaches can get paid from both sides. So now when, when, when we go to, when, if you take, you know, two teams or three teams, whatever, and you work within Lincoln, you know, you can, there's no reason. Now, I mean, everybody has freedom to do whatever they want, right? But there's no, there's no reason why they have to go and get another job because my, my, my goal is that there's enough there for them to be able to live full-time from this. And over time, and you know, the coaches, and I don't want to, um, and maybe we don't have to talk about finance when, when you put it out, but it's just a matter of just within us and why the reason why behind this is at the end of the day, we all have to 
pay rent. We have to do this. We have to do like we all have we all have costs in our life. And the way we can do this through Lincoln and through Solar, a coach like someone like Hugo and Fiero who work for both of them, then and myself that works for both of them, we can now get closer to living full time to where we don't have to go and get a side job working at a restaurant or get or becoming a teacher. And then, you know, the next stage for me is going to be how can we then create benefits and this and that. So it is a process, but I think, you know, Hugo and Fierro seen it from the beginning and, you know, someone like Augustine has been there from the beginning. They've seen where we were three years ago to now and the improvement that we're making. And that's how I'm, I'm just going to always continually try to push the needle towards where coaches, because I always prepare for what happens if one of our coaches gets in the better opportunity. Well, we want to give something to another coach who comes in and can live full time from this. That that's where my mind is trying to go. And and that's that's a huge, huge goal. I mean, it says a lot about what you're trying to develop. I think a lot of clubs who I've talked to where that's the higher ups in the clubs would love for their coaches to be full-time staff where they could focus directly on the kids. But the issue is um, I think Wilco, I go back to him because he pointed it out to me uh, with Dutch FC. He says, mm -hmm. soccer here is not a community sport. We drive to, we drive to MoneyGram to go play our games. We don't have our local football stadium so to speak the high schools have them but our community does not have a local football field where it's where you would have lincoln fc being the team and the community pitches right. in you ice and you don't have the camaraderie of the community coming in to watch the kids play just because it's a game on it's everyone has their own walls right. up and their own lives doing something else that does not evolve around football and that that culture has to change here for that to happen. So I, I give you a lot of respect for trying to get yeah, but there. that, but that, but that's not so, going to happen. No, it's finding other other avenues to make it happen. Exactly. And I think as time goes on, we will get more f soccer being watched, football, whatever you want to call it, being watched here in the states because people are actually enjoying it more than American football or baseball or hockey. I mean soccer just replaced the nhl to be the number fourth watch sport in the united states last year and i don't think people realize how much that is changing on a very fast rate and part yeah. of it is the influx of people coming from other countries to the united states but look at north texas cricket is growing drastically here and they just introduced a cricket league nationwide so if that tells you anything how much sports are changing in the united states Maybe we'll see the Coliseums built uh, soccer versus American football. Okay, let's switch paths a little bit and get jump to you guys with with Solar. You got you guys are located where in Colleyville, roughly? I, I know the address, but so the listeners can. Um, we we it's on twenty six and Brown Trail. Awesome. And I know you guys have been there for a little bit of time. So you talked about leagues earlier. What leagues? exactly do you guys all play in with solar and with so, within your location so we have um we have uh ecrl ecnl rl ntx and we have we have we are the solar red platform so um within our red platform this year we have 05s 07s 08s and 09s um and then we have the new uh, ECNL NPL NTX team. We have our 2010s in there. So our, our 10s are in that one. We have no 2011 team. Um, and then our 2012s, they play free ECNL. And they are the, I think they're the silver team. And then the 2012s play, we have, we have another 2012 team, which is RPL. And then the 13s is... On the on the 2013 um, their priest you know gold platform, and then we have a 2013 RPL, and then we have a 2014 RPL, 2015 RPL. That's all boys, and then we have girls 2012 and 20 uh, 2012 2013 mix. They, those those girls kind of share rosters, um, 
and then we're trying to build some more goals teams. Um, but that's kind of that's that's the teams we have currently playing. That's awesome. So will you guys be able to go jump into the to the uh, ECNL side, or is so is this the pathway for your players is to go from the RL North Texas North Texas North Texas side and move into the uh, so another solar team, or will you guys be able to hang on to your teams, build them, and move them? Um, so there's on the on the pathway. The, the biggest way is so RL and RL NTX. There's actually we're we're finding that a lot of the RL teams because RL is technically the second division and RL NTX is the third division, but a lot of RL players are actually wanting to start come and play RL NTX because it's local. So a lot of so the RL is a travel league. And if you finish in the top two places of RL and you finish in the top two places of RL NTX, you lead to the same national championships. So it's all it's all RL as one whole. But in there's some markets in the US, they've made a local RL league. So RL NTX is one where <laughs> there's so much demand for so many good players that they've basically just made another RL NTX league. So for for our pathway for our players is if you if you're an RL NTX, let's say you got an 09 RL NTX player and he wants to go and go to the next level and, and he's at the level for that, we could move him to the ECNL 09 team or we could move him to the RL 09 team and then it would just be based on does the parent want to travel? Do they want to go into that travel league? And ECNL, do they want to go into an ECNL league? And obviously then it, it is a, you know, a cost factor of it's going to be more, but at the same time, there's more exposure there for you to go to colleges. So I think the biggest way for us right now in RONTX is a lot of NCAA D2 and D3 players. That's where I think a lot of the players are going to end up from RONTX. And even RL, a lot of those players will end up looking at D2, D3 colleges of NCAA. So, and then the ECNLs, a lot of those players will end up at D1 colleges and even D2 because a lot of D1 colleges now are getting MLS players, MLS Next players, and also they're getting a lot of international players. So we just had um, one of the national team players of my of my country. He's a, he's a midfielder. He was in England at University of Loughborough, which is one of the best schools. He just moved to University of Vermont. So he's in school right now in Vermont. And he's like an O, he's like an O three or an O four, O three, O four. He's in that age. So he's just gone to the University of Vermont and he's in the national team. Um, he actually played against Holland in March and he just moved to University of Vermont. So meaning that the whole point of that is division one is getting very competitive to where <laughs> a lot of RONTX players are going to struggle to make it into D1. doesn't mean they can't make it, but for, our, for me looking at it from a, um, how do we get these players into college from like Fierro's U19 teams, a lot of them are looking at D2, D3 schools. And if you do go to a D1, then you might be redshirted. And if you're, if you're not, um, if you're not redshirted, then how how are you getting in there? We got to be really creative because D ones now are starting to look at only ECNL, only MLS next, and then only international. That's how a lot of these D one rosters are made up of. So our 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 kind of role in the community for these players is how can we help you get D two D three looks, maybe NAIA, and if you do get in D one, that's going to be probably five to ten percent of RL players who go to D one schools. The rest of them. Are going to go D two, D three, and um, and NAIA, and then there'll be the few off people that make it to the top levels or just go straight professional, which is it sometimes happens. That that's the thing, and I think parents look at all use solar as the example because that's who you guys are coaching underneath. Um, is the pathways uh every club has a different pathway and you just laid it out very clearly like what levels what club coaches are looking or colleges are looking at each level which is huge because i feel like most parents see 
and players have a certain expectation going into playing soccer. Like, I'm not going to play soccer in college. Well, you're competing with um, 30,000 kids every year for I don't know how many spots, 40,000 kids just in the United States. doesn't include international. And a lot of kids... There's a lot of players who who come to us who who come from from teams who are competitive too, but parents come up to me tell me that you know the club was good when 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 they were young and then they get to a certain age where the clubs don't provide that next step that what's what's the development of the player right so they get to 11 years old 12 years old and then 13 years old they're like okay what's next you know the clubs don't provide them that path. A lot of clubs don't provide them that path, and I think Anthony has and Anthony and the whole organization here um, with the coaches. We've we've been we've been doing good in terms of 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 connecting every coach with that mentality, you know. Because in our, in our club, we don't we don't keep the same coach from going from one team to the other team to the other team to the other team. Uh, we we like if if, if one if, if one player is playing with Ugo this year. Next year, that player is going to have a different coach because Hugo is only the coach for that team, right? And then this player, the next year, is going to have a different coach. The next year, he's going to have a different coach. And the next year, he's going to have a different coach, right? So every time he... he, he we he, have a two-year process. It's a two-year process. So every two yeah. years, we'll the, oh, move yeah, the yeah. Move, uh, make the move. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, you're, you're on the right pathway. Uh-huh. Yep. So um, <clears throat> so for me, that, that that's one of the most... There's one of the easiest ways for me to, to talk to players and recruit them because there's not a lot of that environment here in Dallas, right? There's a couple a couple clubs that they do provide that. For example, Dallas Texans, uh, YFC Dallas, well, you know, there's a big business over there. Um, and Solar, right? Solar, and then there's other, a couple of other clubs that, that are looking to provide that um, pathway for the players, right? And Anthony has done a very a great, great job in, 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 in connecting the club to solar in in a way of if we like we said if we have players that are too good for us there's a pathway for them right you come to us there there's the, for example we had some players that went and then try out for for MLS next teams and ECNL teams that didn't make it okay well they come to us and play with us we tell them okay you pro you prove yourself here and then we put the word for you to go and try out for 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 the solar e, solar ECNL solar um you know RL right um. But yeah, that the that pathway was some of most of my players that the reason that they came to 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 us over here is because they saw the level first, the level of training, second, the structure that that Anthony has there, like the the field, the goals, all that stuff that looks professional. It looks like you're coming into a, an actual club that has a, a a plan for your kid. You know what I mean? Not just a club that oh you bring your kid, they they practice a lot the next day, uh, the training day, uh, they practice. No, there's a there's a plan for every player. There's a plan for every team. Also, to think, add to that, go ahead. Uh, that I've just been able to witness how much of a how much a player can can learn from different coaches. Just uh, we've seen it from uh, now. I used to coach the the under the under sixteens. Now, after two years, uh, now Fierro is able to coach them. So um, we 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 kind of have to understand that at times there's a cap that uh that a player there's so much there's only so much a player a co- a player can learn from a coach and um at times we we're we're not we're not able to witness uh, how much a player can grow with different styles of coaching because they're learning not only from from uh for an example not only from me but in their six year uh development they've learned already from three different coaches where where whenever they hit college, they're ready for whatever style of coaching, um, whatever tactics, whatever um, um, they may need to to take on the the next step. So we've we've been able to to one have that have that good pathway and, and see a good development from from our players, and I hope we can keep doing that. I think the Ian, the biggest thing on the on the on the pathway is a lot of clubs hide behind what the pathway looks like because one they don't <clears throat> i don't even think they know themselves for one two it's oh my gosh people are paying me so much money 
I don't want to reveal to them what this actually is. Like th there's a lot of that crap that goes on. So myself, I just, I just take it head on and say, this is what you're most likely going to end up following this teams. So if you go in this team, this is probably the colleges you're going to be looking at. Now you may go home and you may say, this guy's an idiot for telling me and, and I, I might not like it, but Julio, my national team coach also told me as well. He says, I didn't write the laws of the game of soccer. I just play within the laws because that's what the laws give me. So in here, I didn't write what the college recruiting process looks like. So I just tell you what it is. And the way a player, if for instance, you know, use a player that's 14 years old that's playing with RLNTX. If, he's, if he and his parents say, no, well, I want to be in D1, well, you know what you have to do. You have to go to, you have to, go to the ECNL team. And if you know, but I want to get higher and higher. Okay, well, you know what you have to do. And the only way a player can, can do that is by proving inside the field being the best player they can be. Like, that's the only way. There's no, that, that's the laws of, of soccer. And, like, for me, parent influence, I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how much, how good you look. Like, you are not going to influence me from a parent standpoint. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'll tell you, and also I will hear your, your comments and hear your feedback and take that in and say, how can we improve? But that the problem with a lot of the U.S. system is that because it's a pay-to-play system, they get influenced by parents. So, I like I, I tell a lot of parents, your money doesn't move me. Now, I, under, I hear your concerns, and they may be valid, and I may process them, but just because you come up to me, don't think that I'm going to then open doors for you later because you have a burden on me. Like that, that, And I think it's it's really important for us to be clear with parents. And there's some parents that hate me for that. But then there's a lot of parents that really respect me for that because I just tell them straight up what it is. And if, you, if your kid wants to go and play in Division One college, you need to be better than any of my teams in Colleyville because my teams, the path doesn't lead you for that. The path leads you for D2, D3. So if you want to be better than that, go, come in my teams and we're going to be we're going to give you the same as everybody else. We're going to give you great development. If you want to get to a point where you're too, if you're too good for Fierro's team, as much as Fierro would love you to be in his team, he may say, you know what, man, this guy's just freaking way too good. Like we got to move him up and you're going to get seen anyway. And you're going to move up. And there you go to, you have potential to go to division one. And I believe this year, there'll be a few of Fierro's players that make D1 because there are some players who will make D1, but in his U19 team, but from, that's the pathway that I don't hide behind. I just tell parents straight up and I embrace it. And if they don't like it, well, that's the laws that are written. And that's the way it works here. So will you guys be able to shift the higher level teams eventually within your little group here in Colley in, in Colleyville? Or will you guys be, this is, this is your pathway for your organization right now. What and do you mean? So you're, so let's say you do have a, Let's say you do have a squad of 13 kids that are phenomenal that go take on the ECNL boys team, red team, the highest team in ECNL, and they just dominate that team. Would yeah, they so allow we, you yeah, to take yeah, your we, team and switch spots with that 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 yeah. that team, or are you are you feeding into the better teams? The, no, I shouldn't I say better teams, a, but the. So speaking speaking with Solar and speaking with Grant, like if we have. Grant is the boys' director, and, and Hodgell runs the MLS program. Well, it's now the ECNL Academy because they came out of the MLS. But the if we have a team that is high and above beyond, like what any solar team, let's use, I don't know, use um, 08, for example, or 09, 010, whatever. If we have a team in that age group that is way better than any other solar team, that's when I would go to them and say, hey, listen, I want the ECNL Academy spot for this coach. Or the whole team goes there, but then, like, that's that's a conversation where it'd be it would be a tricky conversation. But knowing from where Solar are and 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 um, I don't want to say this like um, what's the word? I don't want to say this like conceded, but knowing where I kind of stand with inside of Solar, I'm inclined to believe that they would give me that. So if I say, hey, if we if Hugo has a 2012 team and becomes the best 2012 team in, in DFW, then we can go to them and say, hey, Hugo wants the ECNL Academy spot because his team are the best. 
they would solo would, would most I'd be inclined to believe that they would give Hugo that spot <clears throat> because I know you get so many slots per age group and and I know that you can compete to get into it and and I, I've learned a lot through about the le- the alphabet leagues that are out there and I, I just find it comical but that's a story for another day um but that's i think that's what parents are looking at is when they join a team and they find a coach or a program they really like and they're truly div- I, I don't know taking their player and pushing them to be the best they can be right and i feel like it's beyond development it is creating the tact the tactical speed the mental speed and the physical speed of the player it's really hard for a family want- wanting to leave that right for, for the next best thing because they know that the kids getting the best thing on the market and that's and i feel like when you have it's very hard to say this but like when you have um teams let's say you have i'll use fc dallas because they are the largest in the metroplex for boys when you have eight teams, nine teams for the 2014 or 20, 2013 or 2012 age groups, the farther away you get from the top team, the quality of coaches go down. And and sometimes coaches won't release players to the next level. I mean, I mean, FC Dallas is not guilty of that because I've watched them move players from one squad to the next, but there are clubs in the Metroplex that will even, I mean, I've watched Solar do it too they'll move players from squad A from squad A and move them to squad Z because they're performing at that high enough level to go beyond where they're at. But I think families also want to see their player develop with a coach long-term because I feel you guys may switch every two years, but you guys do all collaborate quite a bit. And this, yeah. this is where, where as a parent myself, I think philosophy gets lost you guys have your own philosophy in Colleyville. You can see it. You guys all communicate. You guys all coach different styles, but the message that you guys are coaching is identical. So I think watching the, how the, the, the biggest I think thing that's in that, what's missing in that, in that sense is like, so I, I walk uh, two days a week with the Eastern L girls of solo. And I walk two days a week with our groups in Colleyville. So Monday, Wednesday, I do the girls. Tuesday, Thursday, I do the, the our groups. Like, so obviously I have the 13s and then I just help with all the other teams. So Monday, Wednesday, when I go to the ECNL girls program, so they have seven teams there. They have the 19, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12. So the, the 2012 team over there, they're playing U13, ECNL, RL. So they're playing upper year 11B11 to get used to 11B11. So those seven teams are treated... And they're the number one, I think they're now number two because Slammers might have won, but they're, they're number one girls team in the, in, in the girls club in the whole nation of ECNL. Like they're, they're amazing, the girls. And, but they have a culture they've built. There's seven of us coaches who've created a culture for the girls. So our, our group in Colleyville is the same to where we have seven coaches. But now we have 13, 14 teams, but <laughs> over there they have, uh, three coaches who are head coaches, the rest of us are assistants. So um, basically with us, what, what we do in Colleyville is I try to, what the reason why I, I, the biggest reason why I moved to Solar was because the culture that I see within the ECNL girls program is similar to our culture. So I work within two different cultures. So I work with Monday, Wednesday in one culture with the girls and Tuesday, Thursday with our culture with the boys. But they're very similar the way we run. And I, quite frankly, like, I have no idea what else other people do in Solar. Solar have 221 teams. I only work with seven teams plus our 13. I work with 20 teams. So the other 200 teams, I have no idea what they do. And <clears throat> so I, I don't, the reason why when we went and did our thing as our group going in, is because like Hugo and Fierro and Sam and all these other guys, like they have no idea what the other solar teams do because they're too busy on our culture that we believe is the best for our group. So it's not to say that the other solar teams and our, our, you know, so other solar teams are obviously doing a great job, but it's unfair for me to speak about that because I don't know what's going on. So, right. 
Does that make sense? You can only talk about your little your the area that you're the director of, and that's that's what I'm getting at. It's and that's the hard part. It's I told you from day one, you don't chase the coach. I mean, you don't chase the club or the badge. You chase the coach at this age because at the end of the day, that was the best advice I was given. It it's if you want your player to develop, you have to find the right coach that speaks to your player. I mean, some kids yeah. react well to a coach that's very harsh. Some coaches needs more of a hands-off white glove mm-hmm. type approach to the player. And eventually the popcorn curdle will pop and they will be the, a successful underneath a different style of coaching. But what you guys have going on there, it seems you guys have all the different types of coaching styles, right. personalities, and kids get exposed to it. And it's not always what am i looking i can use you anthony because i've watched and hugo both when you guys get mad at the kids like you i don't think you're getting mad you get frustrated then 30 seconds later you turn around and make a joke with the boys and everyone's laughing again and having a good time it's like you are you want the matches message to get across but at the same time like you i guess it's i mean relating it to being a parent you don't get mad really at your kids you get frustrated because right. you want them to do a certain thing a certain way. And you can see that as coaches with these boys that I've watched you guys coach now. It's like you're not mad. You're frustrated. You're flustered. Right. And you want them to understand what you're trying to say. And sometimes, even as a parent, like they don't get it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can no, say it yeah. 15 different ways. But you can have Coach Hugo come over or Coach Ferrero come over and talk to the boys. And all of a sudden, it just clicks. It's just a different way of wording something. I think that's what you guys have there in Polyville. That's so important that I think that I always called it. You guys are a club within a club of solar. That's how I've described it. That's yeah. how I've interpreted it personally. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what you guys are doing there in Colleyville is very unique. I mean, if one of you guys aren't there, almost any of you guys can come in and cover the practice because what you guys are training at the U19 may be very similar <clears throat> to the U13. And I think that's, that's impressive because you guys can say, this is what we're covering. And you guys all know what you're talking about. And I think part of that is because you guys were able to take your Lincoln FC and bring it in under the umbrella. But as a parent, that's critical because that means when I use Anthony, you're a prime example of this for me. It's when you go on your national call-up duty, you have a coach that can come in that says, okay, here are my players. You probably will give them the, the player profile that they are and say, good luck with them. This is what I would do. And that coach might see something different when the game's actually being played and give you feedback. I don't know how it works in the background. Right. I'm assuming that's what goes on because that's what professionals do. <laughs> and it's, it's fascinating to me what you guys have going on there and what you're able to accomplish within the solar brand. And that's why I'm I think, you know, you know, on, on that, like just, and then real quick, I think Vera wants to go, but like the, when I, when I find people that for our culture, like I don't want people that as soon as their practice finishes, they just clock out and go home. Like, so I look for those people. Like, so now I also am respectful of people's time, but like, for instance, last <laughs> night, like no one tells Hugo to jump in and play with the 08s and the 07s and the 06. Like he doesn't have to, he can go home because he's finished with his practice. But because the culture we've built, like he actually, I would argue, looks forward to jumping in to play with those kids. Because one, it keeps him fit, but also it's like, you know what, I love training with these guys because I remember I used to coach these guys a year ago, but now I get to have a different relationship with them because I'm not their head coach and I can joke around with them and I can, hey, let's go. Like, And that, that's the culture that within our club, within our club, that's kind of how I, that's a perfect example of it. But it's like, that's how we have tried to create that and we're all bought into that. And that's why we we just know that we believe that we're successful in that because we don't everyone is bought into the same thing go ahead fiero i know you're going to say something oh yeah yeah the 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 thing with (laughs) coaching with there with the club is that uh, we all get along right is i feel i feel like that's that's another thing that soccer teaches you right that everyone's gonna have different characters. Everyone's gonna have different, you know, ways of <coughs> seeing life, right? Uh, but you know, seeing each other, understanding that each other has has vision, and they have. We all have. We all want to be someone. We all wanna, 
you know, create something big and be some, um, and, and provide something for, for the players. So every coach, it's which is connected in that way of like we're, we're we're friends, but also as this at the same time we're professional colleagues, right? Where we we talk about um, the tactics that that one player, that one team um, uses. One coach goes and walks up to the other team and then just talks to the coach, looks at the players. Sometimes to Anthony and his uh, 2013 boys, I'll go and I say hi to the boys. They smile. They see. They see the coach. Oh, that's like that's a U19 coach. They say, oh, that's the the U14 coach. Uh, I mean, 12 coach or whatever, right? So having that culture of like every player knows the coaches, I think it's also something that makes us different. You know what I mean? Because I know the players who play for 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 the coach Santiago, right? The OHs, right? So at any point he needs me to cover the practice or he needs me to cover the game. I know who who I know the names of the players. I know where they play and all that stuff, right? If Hugo needs someone to cover him, he has two or three other coaches. I know the names of the players. I don't know the names of how he wants to play. All that other stuff, right? Um, that's one of the things that also makes us very good in in terms of of providing that pathway for the player to go from one coach to the other coach to the other coach. Because even though this coach, this player coming up to the new coach, they already knew they already know this coach. They they already talked to him. They, you know, they already um. They're in the same environment now. You did mention something about, you know, the parents, they say, they, they tell their kids something and they try to tell the kids, hey, you know, uh, open up or, you know, be brave, take on take on the players or or something. Use your left foot or something, right? Um, and then whenever us say the same thing to the player, the same thing. Let's say I use the same exact words you use. Since ask the kid gets it better. Why? Because with the parent and you tell this tell the one tell your kid thing, the kid is gonna is, is gonna um get in the shell in, in, on his shelf because he's gonna feel like ah yes ah, this my dad uh, you, you know you've been telling me telling me that for the past ten years right like he, they just don't they don't take it seriously as if you know if you tell them hey you gotta use foot but he doesn't he doesn't you know, he doesn't pay attention to you, he doesn't care, he does well, whatever, right? But then I go up, go up to him and tell him, hey, you got to use your left foot. If you don't use left foot, hey, you're not going to get places, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, okay, yeah, I got to use my left foot. Same thing happened with my dad. My dad told me, hey, you got to use foot. At this age, at this age in the hockey, you cannot play it only with one foot. I was like, dad, my, my right is so good, I don't need my left. <laughs> Ignore me. Got to the point where I was 15, 16 years old. I had a coach, uh, Jose Mabasan, comes up to me and tells me, hey, Fierro, your left foot is S-H-I-T. Huh? It's uh, <laughs> horrible, right? So, uh, <laughs> so I was, hey, well, then I guess my dad was right, yeah. So, but if I would have listened to my dad when I was nine years old, eight years old, instead of listening to my coach when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, I would have been able to have a really good left foot when I was 15, 16. A really good left foot. But since I started at 16, I didn't really have a good left foot until I was like 22, right? Like, and I, I could use my left foot, but I'm talking about even, it. even now. You, you know, when you get to, 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 be able to use your left foot, hey, exactly. Even now, right? But now it's just how I'm training, you know, it's different, right? But, uh, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the point that, you know, sometimes coaches get to get to reach that inside of the player, like a good coach, a good coach that understands how to talk to the player. If you're able to reach deep inside, make them understand why they need to do why you, what you want them to do, I feel like they do it by themselves instead of you having to tell them every day, right? If you tell them and one time that you tell them it sticks with them, after that it's just them doing it, right? Them going for it. And if at some point they stop doing it, it's like, okay, well then you just, you're not, you don't have the mentality to keep working on it consistently, right? Just like Anthony here's, said, here's, this is here's something for uh, soccer is about is about moments. Yes, I think yeah. that the, the big the biggest thing that I I could give parents advice, okay, and, and a parent told me this, um, maybe a couple of years ago. He said, "You're dealing with my greatest gift in the world, which is my child." He said, "What I do is I search for someone who can mold my gift in the way that I would like my gift to be molded." So. If you're if you're if you're a parent, like and it could be whatever, like 
when you say you don't search a club and so, don't search this, you search a coach, I would even say like what you've done is a good job. You search for someone, how your morals, because you have morals in your home that you think are your um, the best for your family. So whether your your kid makes it in, as a professional soccer player or a professional accountant or professional this or professional that, like your, your job as a parent, you have a role to help prepare that player to be the most successful person they can be later on. So your role is, as what Fiora said, is exactly right. Like kids don't want to hear from their parents. They just don't want to hear it. So you have to say where, where, which coach mimics the morals that I have in my home the best so I can keep on getting that message to my kid. Because so we're basically an avenue for you as a parent to help parent your kid. So that's that's kind of the biggest thing that I, I would give advice to parents is if you're looking for a for a coach or whatever, you want to look for someone who is the same morals as what your family hold that will help your kid later. There may be some people that I I am not the morals for their home. And that's okay. Like I don't I don't take that personally. There may be some me that I don't like this guy because those morals are against what I what we hold in our roof. That's fine there's also then people that say man the morals that he has are just the morals that i want for my home so i'm going to go to that and that's where you make the sacrifices because the the parent the biggest responsibility for that kid is the parent you have the responsibility to get your kid in the best environment possible which mimics your home that you believe is best for your home so that's where i would give any advice just to parents for that is they, they have to look for that and that's why what we try to do is even within ourselves with Hugo and Fiero and all our guys, like we talk within ourselves continuously, like what do we need to do to be better to continue to improve our morals? That way we're better as coaches, as people for more people to come in. And now that we've gotten more players, how do we continually not just think, Oh, let's just get as many players as possible because we make as much money as possible. Like how do we continually improve this? so that our morals can stay consistent with what we're trying to do every single day. and But that's the advice I would give any parents. Going back to what, you're, what you guys are saying, so I'm a big advocate starting off young, having my player go talk to the coach. My son does a much better job, job talking to his coaches than his teammates. I, can, I know that's he, I, he just likes to talk to adults more. Um, and but I told him from a very, from starting when he started to play two years up, you have to start that conversation with your coach. And the advice, that was advice I was given by a coach is that you start them early. So when they're, by the time they're 16, 17 years old, they know exactly what they're responsible for. Because once right. if they want to go play in a pro, they have to understand it's not your parents going to be standing behind you asking all the questions. I just want to know what's said. Kids don't always relate the information correctly, but it's why I tell Landon is go ask what your coach that you need to go work on. I go, I don't need to know what he says to you. You need to know what he says to you because that, then you need to come to me and ask me how to help you. I can't, it's teaching. It's like we say in our house, our job as parents is to facilitate our kids' dreams is to provide the avenue to get there. And Landon's, from the age of five, told us he doesn't need to go to school. He doesn't need to learn to read. He's going to be a pro soccer player. He doesn't know what league yet he wants to play in. And oh, having yeah. a young kid say that to you, and it's like, okay, let's do everything we can to do this for you. And our job as parents is to go out and search for the coach, is to go out and find right. it, people to influence him in the right manner. It doesn't even have to be on the soccer field. It's off the soccer field, too, that have the same passion and drive that he has. So with that being said, what age groups would you guys recommend parents doing that? I started off early because that's what I think is best for my son because he's smart enough. My daughter might be a different story. It might be 12 years old for her, not eight years old asking the coach for feedback or not so, being scared to go ask the coach for advice. To me, the, that's, that's funny because we just had a, a, a parent meeting like a week ago with my under 12s. And I know Landon is two years younger than that, but uh, that's the the parent meeting that was mostly talked about. Um, 
um, us as coaches, we have our times uh, counted and we have, and each player has their own focus. So um, a little bit of that, that meeting was talked about was that um, we have to let players go into one, go into training sessions, go into games within their own um, mentality. Because many parents, uh, they want to, have you heard, they want to live through the player. So, um, and also they want to help the player um, a bit too much to where I've noticed that uh, it's just at the end of the day, you don't help the player. You, you're actually not helping him at all. You don't, you're not helping him grow. Um, one of the things I was spoken about was that whenever uh, there's a problem with the player, whether it's uh, football related or um, for an example, maybe not getting enough time maybe uh, during a game, maybe them not or getting frustrated with, for an example, a training session. Um, yes, the parents will know. They will probably be the first ones to know as soon as they get in the car. Hey, the training session, I did not get it. Um, and what many parents do is, hey, coach, let me have a, let me have a word with you. Um, I don't know what is going on with my player, but he's not understanding or he didn't understand this last session. Um, the best thing that I've, that I've noticed is uh, giving the player autonomy of their own um, growth. Uh, now, of course, you're not going to give the six-year-old autonomy of their own growth, but once they hit, I believe, nine, 10 years old, they, many of them, uh, many coaches can help the player grow in their own personality because personality is a huge thing in football and any sport. So we have to, us as parents and, and coaches, we are the adults. So how can we work together to help uh, the player grow, grow in their own personality and, and a great, um, a great, thing to do is give that player the the time to and the, the the autonomy to say hey you know what let me go speak to this coach ask about this ask about that and if uh we uh, we end up needing the parent to come in to the conversation then uh we are or we're more more than uh open to bring in that parent to to help communicate uh whatever it is that needs to be uh communicated but um that that's a great and and that's a great aspect of uh, how can we help young young players grow and um, it's not only in tactical technical it's also in 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 we help them grow in their mind and their personality and and that's those are skills that's going to help them uh, take take until they're they're adults so it'll be easier to communicate easier to network um, and at the end of the day. Um, they'll become leaders which is what we what we're hoping for all these young players to become you mentioned parents not helping <laughs> so um i'm when Lennon was younger i'd make him cry um as a parent which is not good he gets in the car you ridicule what he did wrong what he did great um as i have talked to more and more coaches and more and more experts on this topic instead of getting in the car and telling him what he did wrong unless it's something absolutely he did wrong and i'm embarrassed of and that's not because of soccer play that's a child being a child going up and being a bully or being rude to someone i know kids do that but my expectations of those are should be higher and i hold them to those standards but i set goals for landon when we before we get to practice or a game we set goals. The goals might be, I want to see you scanning better this game or this practice. Keep your head up. Um, just nothing technical, nothing truly that you're going, going against what you guys might say. It is, I want to see you celebrate your teammates' goals. Things along when they score, like, or if someone misses a shot, go give them a, like, give them a hug or something. Say, so you'll get it next time. Or if a goalie makes a great, your goalie makes a great save or made a great effort, give them words of encouragement. As a parent, we've realized that if we talk too much, we we shut him down before the game or after the game practice or the game. What advice would you give parents along that factor then as coaches? I think the um, one of the biggest things, just to touch on that, is as, as young players up until about, I would actually even say about up until about 14 years old, the kids don't actually really care if they win or lose games. 
what they care about is that like like let's say let's say that my team we lost 4-0 okay but i told them at the end of at the end of the speech at the end of the game man i'm so proud of how you guys fought today like they'll, they'll take that home and that will be that will be more beneficial for them to feel like you know coach is really proud of me rather than winning 4-0 and just saying hey guys good job i'll see you guys on tuesday like they would be more happy with I'm so proud of you guys that you showed fight and you didn't give up. Like that for them means so much to them. So once they hit about 15, 16, 17, like Fira will know more of the older ages, they, they start caring more about results more because they have more pressure that they want to do well because they want to be seen in a good yeah, team because then colleges, yeah, colleges start looking at them and they don't want to see that you're losing every time. You have ego in high school that you want to be winning and like that, th those things start coming into more of it. But up until about 14, that you go. I, I would I would say, like, as if you're a parent, don't don't use results as the guide. Like use if your kid, but let's say he play, he played, um, I don't know, let's say he's 11 years old and he played a, a really bad game. Like just say, hey, man, I'm so I'm so I'm actually really proud of you that you got back and tracked on that play. Like, man, that was so good that you tracked back on that play. Because then he's going to remember, my coach is proud of me, and my my parents proud of me. I don't even care if we freaking lost, like because they're, they're proud of me, and the kids walk around with like this this swagger of like everyone's proud of me, and that's more important because then when you when we go to the next game and try to get the maximum effort level from them, they they feel proud inside. So they then when we ask them, hey, I need you to do this and this and this and this, they feel that. So I would say up until like fourteen probably up until all the way up to 14. Like, don't don't use results as the guideline because a lot of the parents that I know where all they care about is results at 11 years old, their kids most likely are not even going to be playing soccer at 14, 15 years old. They just cap out because they don't care. That, that goes back to the, the philosophy I was given when I was coaching. It was, if you're winning, you should be happy at a 500 record. If you're If you're winning out of three to three to five games of your season you're winning you're doing great <laughs> anything more than that or less than that you're in the wrong league for player development wise but it really we talk about it in our home quite a bit it's we don't look for the score and i think this is a down maybe this is a downfall for landon later on in life but he just wants to play soccer we don't discuss the score of the game we don't care the score of the game how did you feel you performed? Did you feel like you did well? Did you feel like you did your best? And I can only use my kid as an example, and he's only nine. I don't know how to, when this, we're learning along the way because we don't have older kids. We just ask questions to parents that have older kids and coaches. Is That's the conversation I've heard over and over. Parents need here in Texas, especially here in Texas, need to learn to stop caring about the score. And are they create? are they doing the correct formation on the field versus and making the right pass to, to the right yeah. spot versus just booting the ball into the goal? Because at the age of U19, and Pharrell can t probably testify to this, if they don't have those foundations and learn to lose and learn to have the humility when they do finally win and be successful, it's so much better for the players because you'll have the results like you guys are searching for, the development that you guys have. And that being said... Now let's switch from solar and this little bit more parent chat. Lincoln, I before I stop, how much time do you guys have? Go ahead. Just want, just want to add something real quick, right there, just because um, this was one of the the best memories I've had with my dad when when I was a kid was him taking me taking me to like a like a little taco stand or restaurant, whatever after the game, right? Um, and sitting down at the table, we would just you know, go to that stuff, right? But the 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 first thing that he would do is that before the games, he wouldn't tell me what I needed to do. He didn't tell me, uh, I need you to do this, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that. The only thing that he would tell me to do is be brave. He just told me that, be brave, right? And right before the game, I will be uh, about to start the game, and he'll be, he will scream at me, how are we going to play? And I will tell him, brave, right? That, for me took away any of the, I need to do this, I need to do that. No, I just got to be brave. Whatever I do, if I go on a tackle, okay, let's go in there, let's win that ball. 
with greatness, you want to go score, okay, go in there and go and then do it. You know what I mean? Go and play, go and compete, go this and that. So that allowed me to not feel pressure when I was a kid, right? I, I, honestly, every game that I had was pure love. Pure love for the game, no pressure. It was just going there and they just compete, right? After the games, he would sit down <laughs> with me. And, and, and first, the first thing he would say, going over the plays that I did good. I, I remember you did the movement right there. You went inside, the pass, blah, blah, blah. And, he would, and, and he went over all the things that I did, right? And then at the end, he was, but now, can you do this better? Can you maybe right here? Maybe next time, instead of doing this, maybe do that, right? Let's go watch some games right now. Let's go watch Puma in America. Let's go watch Chivas against Cruz Azul. And, and 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 watch them watch the players that play in your position and what would you be doing differently than them well are doing it well if, if they are okay can you do that in the game too can things like that right um so just to to that point of uh, like a, a kid is is, is 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 very delicate in terms of 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 his of his um his confidence right you can re- destroy a kid's confidence really easily and one of Arson Wagner's that I know, Anthony, you know, he's going to love this quote. I know you know it too. Uh, is that it's better for a player to not have a coach at all from the age all the way to about, what, 12 years old, 11 years old, I think. That was it. It's better to have no coach at all than to have a bad coach at a young age. Because one bad coach at a young age can, you know, shape your, your confidence in a way that's not going to, that is not going to help you once the competition gets real. Now, when, now that, that I coach the older players, right? I coach the other players. I see the players who are not confident, the players who struggle with little things like that. Maybe they are good, but then they're good players. But then something happens during the game, or maybe during the game, someone uh, smacks to them, or 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 something, and it gets them out of their out of the game. If they're not, um, you know, energetic there, they just don't play good, right? So that's something that as a kid, um, I just just an advice parents listening to this right now is that you know just let them play just encourage them to be brave and, and compete right compete and 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 at a certain point when, it, when they get older to nine ten years old okay well then start going over the games and telling them okay what did you do good what did you do wrong all that other stuff right uh whenever a player comes up to me and tells me that you know what can i do better and usually I, I, the players who come up to me they're 15 16 17 years old right uh what can i do better right that question for me is a question that sometimes is 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 really del- like there's a fine line where you don't want to cross that line in terms of you don't want to be asking your coach every month every week hey what can I do better what can I do? okay ask him once what can I do better well how what, what, what can I improve the coach is gonna tell you what you need to improve right and then maybe couple months from that from that point maybe two months three months right allow yourself time to grow go up to him again and tell him hey doing well or or should i do be something something different right if the coach needs to tell you something he's gonna tell you you don't gotta go ask right he's gonna go up hey you're doing this wrong you're doing this but of course come up to them tell what's something that i can be doing now the thing that that bothers me the most that when a player asks me what they do, and then you tell them what they need to do, but then they don't do anything about it, right? They don't they don't train whenever to me mm-hmm. tell me what can I do better. Well, you gotta get a better first touch. You gotta get a better first touch. You gotta get a better uh, turn when, when you when, when you have the ball. Can you look up? Can you check your shoulders? Can right? But then months go by and the, or weeks go by, months and they don't do it. They don't improve it. They don't they don't work on it. I don't see them um, developing that skill. So they come again a uh, few weeks later, a few months later, the same question. So I'm like, okay, well, you're going to ask question, do something about it when I give you the answer, right? Just want to add that uh, little I, bit of information real quick. No, I like what you said. Your dad said, be brave. For me, I, I think every parent's different. Like we, when Lennon was younger, mm-hmm. um, you're talking five, six years old playing at Blue Skies. It's everyone on the team got paid a dollar for a goal on his team and like no we don't pay for goals bud we pay for assists we pay for tackles we'll give you we'll give you 10 cents for every goal i mean he was the leading scorer on his team so like at the end of the season he had uh out of the 175 goals he had almost 80 of by himself 
-hmm. and like you get 10 cents a goal. I mean, they like paid more game. than pro soccer already. Right? My dad would do that, but in like, training, we, not in we, games, but in training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was 10 cents a goal, and a, an assist was worth a quarter. But as a parent, that motivated him. He didn't even care if he got the money at the end of the game. He just wanted to know how much he made. We realize this. It's like that's why we set goals from. I think if every parent has to understand what motivates their players. Our son is motivated by goals. My daughter, on the other hand, we joke she'll either be a prison game leader or a CEO of a company. We don't know which one yet. But that's the thing. You have to know what motivates your player and have and parents have to be realistic with that. And I think I've been very fortunate because we've had coaches make us parents be humbled. And then we've had our player be humbled. And I think that's what's missing is that's like you said, like maybe the kid doesn't need to go up every week. I do it because I want Lennon to learn to feel comfortable talking to his coach. Or I've watched oh, Lennon I'm go up about and ask. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, even like you said, yeah. if they don't work on it, they have to, you, you hit it on the head. If they aren't improving in that time frame or a week, they are missing the point of that conversation. And I always ask Landon, what did he, what did he say? And I go, and I will ask before you ask him again, you need to make sure that you've done that, what he's asked. I know that the other night I asked coach Hugo to explain something to Landon because I'm watching him doing this time and time again, being beat. And I know Landon's smart enough. You explain it to him. He can apply it, but I know my player and I, I know what he's capable of. And that's the difference between a lot of parents is that they think their kid's this great baller. And I'm like, I need to find a kid where my, my player is the in-between baller, where he's not the worst and he's not the best. He's in the middle. And, uh, and it takes time finding a team where he fits that and the coach yeah. fits that style. And, but I know that my son has a lot to work on. And it, it's, it, there's moments of being prideful of my son. And there's moments of being like, no, you need to get knocked down a few pegs and really be shown who you are. Hi, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with the coaches. Now, as we move forward, I'm going to keep these, this one brief, and I'm going to keep the closing of the next one a little bit longer. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the message they gave about why they're doing what they're doing. Now, next week's episode is more about Lincoln Football Academy, and I hope you guys stick around for that next episode. If you're listening to this and you guys enjoy this podcast and enjoy what I'm trying to do, please rate, review, and share the podcast. Until next time, see you at the pitch.